guys would like to turn with me, we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 15. I have a whole lot of notes, and I'm probably not going to get all of them, but I just want to share my heart on, I guess, I guess the subject. And there's two main subjects tonight, I guess, that is faith and resiliency. I always love the topic of faith in church. Um, <laughs> I, uh, for those of you guys that don't know me, I, I didn't grow up in church. So a lot of times whenever people speak the Christianese words to me, I always had the question mark over things. I always had to figure it out myself, you know. People say things like holy, and I'm like, what does that mean? What is holy? You know, in my head, I'm like, it's something like a beam of light coming down, sparkles everywhere. And, and, and I'm like, that's, and I think honestly, the truth is a lot of people, after being in the church game so long, a lot of people fake like they know what it is, but they don't really actually know what it is. Like they don't actually know that holy means to be set apart, different from everybody else, unique. That's why he's holy, holy, holy. He's perfected in his differentness, man. But faith, whenever I talk about that word, again, I get the response like people like, oh yeah, I know what faith is. I know exactly what faith is. <laughs> they say things like, the really good Christians can even quote a Bible verse, right? That it's like the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you told me that, but what, does that mean? what is it? <laughs> like, I get it, but what? <laughs> and I just want to understand more. I want to go, and I'm a very simple-minded guy. I like to see practicals. I want to I see things that I can do to represent faith. And to come to me and like, oh, yeah, faith is like an idea. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work for me, bro. Because, like, I'm reading these stories and Jesus goes, he goes to two different people in the Bible. We're gonna, read, we're gonna read about one of them today. The first one, though, is a soldier. And the soldier comes to the, Jesus and he says, um, my, my, my son's sick. I need, I, need you to, I need you to heal him. And Jesus starts to walk that way. And he says, no, no, no. I am, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a soldier under men and I have men under me. And I understand how authority works. And if you say the word, my son will be healed. And he said, Greater faith have I never seen. And then there's one other person that he has great, he says, has great, great faith. And we're getting ready to read about it here in Matthew chapter 15. But we want to understand this thing, faith. And whenever we read this story, I'm going to talk a little bit more about resiliency, which is what she uses in this story to display her faith, to grow her faith to Jesus. Man. So whenever I'm talking about resiliency, <clears throat> we go through hard things, difficult, difficult things. Just to show of hands, who's heard the word resiliency before? Knows what it means. Great, great. So resiliency, again, as I'm a practical guy, I like to show things to, to get an idea of what it is. So just, so just to be clear, like, so resiliency, can I borrow your ball? Thank you. <laughs> so Resiliency is two things. So it, there's two definitions that I got written down somewhere in here. First is that it is the ability to bounce back from something. 
And then the second definition is it's actually a scientific term to return to your form. And so what I have here is I have a little basketball here. Um, I can bounce it, right? Easy. Like, I can bounce this thing 100 times, 200 times. I can throw it across the room. I can do all sorts of things. This thing is going to be resilient. It's going to keep bouncing. As long as I'm bouncing it, it's going to keep on bouncing. Why? Because it's resilient. It's going to return to its form. It's going to keep on bouncing back from the hard things that's coming at it. Now, the opposite of that, do you have the other thing? Here's another resilient thing, right? <laughs> you know, the first time I, I shared this message, we were over, it was like two and a half years ago. It was during COVID, yeah. The only people in this house were uh, me, my wife, Austin Kell, Pastor Colleen, and, oh, Kendra and Christian were here too, I think. Yeah. So we had, <laughs> that was it. Like, you can't get any more awkward than just talk to a camera with like a bunch of people just... No, but it was good. Um, and we just moved in that side over there. And so they were like, if you drop that egg on that side. Kendra was looking at me the whole time. She was like gritting her teeth. <laughs> but this is not resilient. It just takes one thing. One thing to happen. And this egg is done. It's cracked. But the story that we're going to read about is a very resilient, resilient woman. And our example of resilience really isn't a, a basketball. Sorry, I forgot to give your toy back. <laughs> it's not a basketball. It's not a tennis ball. The best example that we have for resiliency is what? It's Jesus. Look at everything that he endured to show you his love. Ma'am. So we talk about hard things. Offense is a thing that comes up in the church all the time. Newsflash, it doesn't just come up in the church either. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that. Like, Growing up in the world, guess what? Offense happens outside the church too. Just because it happens inside the church doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the church. I'm just saying offense happens. Did you know that the Bible says that you're going to get offended? It says that offenses will come. Matthew 24, actually, I think says it. Uh, man, I swear I have notes on this thing somewhere. Matthew 24, 10 says, 24, 10 says, many will be offended. And Luke 17, 1, in the last days, Jesus is talking about the last days here, he says, um, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Impossible that no offenses should come. So what does that mean? Everybody is gonna be offended at some point. Let me correct myself. Everybody is going to face offenses. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna be offended by them or that you should be or that you're entitled to. Don't get me started. <laughs> Man, so offendability, let me just give this, little, this quick little nugget. Your offendability as a Christian is a measuring stick for your spiritual maturity. I'm ready to read now. So let's go to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start on verse 21. 
Matthew 15, 21. It says this, it says, Jesus went out from there and departed to a region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came and from that region and cried to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is, in sever is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. I just want to break down this verse a little bit for you guys so we can just try and figure out what was it that made her faith so great? What made her so set apart? What made her so unique in this situation to give her, to say that she had great faith? First of all, she was a Canaanite woman. There was years of strife and offense and arguments between the Israelites and the Canaanites. Have you ever just had to walk into a room where like everybody in that room hated you? I'll give us a quick story. So I remember, so whenever I used to, uh, I used to fight mixed martial arts and I would go and a lot of times I was the underdog that would come to the cards in, in Kansas City and then they would have their poster child like, hey, we need somebody to fight this, this guy as a co-main. And I know that this guy has been get ready at the best gyms with the best people and we're like, we just need somebody to throw up against him and put him as a co-main. And I'm like, sweet, you know, they'll hook me up with a hotel room, extra tickets I can sell and make a lot of extra money. And so I would take those gigs no, knowing full well that they just knew that I was going to be the guy that was going to lose. <laughs> and a lot of times, there was, there was a lot of times I was, uh, well, seven times in particular that, that I actually ended up losing decision uh, wins. But a lot of other times, uh, I would win <laughs> against these guys. And... Um, I'd have to go into the room, and it was really awkward going to, like, the, the, the fight card owner and saying, hey, I just beat your guy. I know that you love me so much right now, but I need that money still. <laughs> and that made him love me even more, you know. But I remember being in a room full of people that just didn't like me. And so can I, I kind of relate with her in this situation. Like, she's putting herself in a situation where she's removing herself from isolation, and the moment that you remove yourself from isolation, guess what you set yourself up for? Hurt. Offense. Trials, troubles. Things that are not easy. She stepped outside the comfort zone of her bubble of being a Canaanite woman. And she said, you know what? There's something that takes priority today. For her, that thing was her child who was severely demon-possessed. Severely demon-possessed is what the word says. 
This is the disciples writing about it. And yet, in that situation, it wasn't their priority, but it was hers. I know that you guys are a lot more holier than me, but uh, I've been, I can say that I've been offended even by Jesus. <laughs> That's a crazy statement to say. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be submitted all the time. You're supposed to, you're, you're like, you're technically a pastor, Anthony. You're supposed, you have all these things. Like, why, why don't, how would you ever be offended by Jesus? Well, let me just tell you, I got this little thing on me right here. <laughs> We're playing ball. <laughs> I got this thing on me called flesh. Guess what that flesh wants? Everything that Jesus wants, my flesh doesn't want, and everything my flesh wants, Jesus doesn't want. And guess what Jesus has to do sometimes? He has to tell me, hey, I know this is how you feel. I know that, the, that you think that this is right over here, but guess what? You are very much not right. And I'll go back to, I'll go to Jesus, and I'll, you know how we try to argue with Jesus? Come on, don't, you can pretend like it's not you. I have these arguments, like Jesus, listen. Let me, court's in session. <laughs> I'm justified, man. I, you know what they did to me? After all the things that I've done for them, this time and this time and this time and this time, and now you're gonna say I'm in the wrong? How, how, how? <clears throat> Pull up your huggies, because uh, <laughs> we're talking about it. And so the first offense that comes to this woman is from what? It's from Jesus. Let me grab this chair real quick. Can I hold this? You want to share a testimony? Reading the verse, we see that the first offense is to be ignored. And again, I've been, I've been doing this church thing for a minute now. Oh, I went to that church, but, you know, the pastor didn't talk to me. You know, so-and-so didn't talk to me, so, I don't know. I guess they're not friends with me anymore. I guess they don't want to talk to me anymore. Oh, you know what the most, they left me all red. I asked for help here, and they left me all red. Ooh, that gets under my skin sometimes, you know. But brother, I'm asking for help. How are you, how are you ignoring me right now in this moment, this, this hard thing? Man. Jesus just, just didn't even acknowledge her in her time of desperate, desperate need. She was ignored. She was ignored. But she overcame that obstacle. And even though she was ignored, she kept pleading. And you know what happened next? 
Austin, you want to grab that next set? Appreciate it. While I, I find where I'm reading here. He answered her not a word. And what it says right after that, it says, his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away. <laughs> send her away. And then look what it says. It says, for she cries after us. The disciples are saying this. The disciples are saying, Jesus, get her out of here because she won't leave us alone. <laughs> she don't care about you. Like, she's not worried about what you're doing. She just, she's just trying to get to Jesus. And yet you think that she's so consumed about what you're doing. She don't care about that. She cares about Jesus. And so this next offense here Man, is the institution. And I relate with this one so much because, man, whenever I was first coming up in the faith, I had some spiritual parents, okay? And listen, we all have our flaws, flaws and faults, and I'm not saying dishonoring them in any way because they would relate with me. I'm just, they would say, hey, you know, we went through these times, those moments whenever they were the, the church hoppers. They would get in the church and they would be there for about, man, if we were lucky, six months, eight months, and as soon as that got to that point, that threshold right there, it was like it was like repetitive over and over again. What happened is they just became like hawks and they were looking everywhere, watching every move. Did you see what so-and-so said to so-and-so? Oh, I can't believe they let her wear that. Oh, I can't believe he let them say that from the pulpit. Why did they even give him the microphone? Da -da -da. And all of these chattering voices started going around. And then what happens next is the offense of the institution starts to spread like a virus, like a sickness going on in the church. When in reality, a lot of the times, it's not even true. In this instance particularly, <laughs> she don't care about you disciples. So why are you even saying that in the first place? I love, I love this house for one particular reason. There's a lot of us that go through this lit training, lit class, and, so, and one thing that we, we, we teach that in there is uh, there's like a culture of honor, right, um, for our pastors, for our leadership, and for one another. And if you ever have an offense with a brother, there's like, there's a three-day rule. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. And if, if you aren't aware, then you're aware now. If you ever say something to a, another brother about another brother or another sister about another sister, guess what happens? That person that you told is going to tell you in, say, three days. You got three days to go to the person that you're talking about and tell them the problem that you got with them. Or I'll tell them that you got a problem. Ooh, that shuts down a lot of mess really quick, don't it? I can't tell you guys how many Jezebels we kicked out of this place just because of that simple thing right there. Yeah, please go ahead. Appreciate it, Austin. He's getting his workout in tonight. Don't tweak your back or anything. <laughs> Man. Send her away for she cries after us. And he says, I was sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And when she came, worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. She felt insignificant. Like why are they more important than what I have? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm poking the bear tonight. So I'm telling you, th this is something that we fight all the time. This is not, like, it doesn't end. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. It's a constant battle that we have to face. Ignored, institution, insignificant, people that are just so, I don't know, just, they're not confident in themselves. Enough to know that they still have significance. In this particular scene for Jesus, it's not that he's looking at the woman and thinking that she's any less significant. What's happening in this situation is he's traveling to a particular um, place where the Israelites are. So because she's not the top priority for the moment, he's trying to take care of his other destination, his other goal, okay? He has priorities. In the same way, this church has priorities. In the same way, your family has priorities. In the same way, your work has priorities. Sometimes you're not gonna get the raise that you feel like you deserve. Why? Because the, the company that you work for is trying to get bonuses for the entire company to go. Sometimes they need to get a new insurance plan, something that helps and benefits people better. Sometimes the blessing doesn't look like what you think it needs to look like in order to get to the next step, get to the next level. And you might feel offense of being ignored in that situation or institution in that situation or insignificant in that situation. They don't even see what I do. Why should I continue to work so hard? When in reality, man, you are very much loved and significant, but there's different priorities in place. The last one here. We're flying through this, but I wanna talk to you guys about resilience. I had the dolly there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll bring it here. <laughs> Maybe it is here. It's a secret. <laughs> What's the last one? Oh, insulted. Look at all these offenses. You ever felt like you were ignored or that people are coming up against you? You're insignificant. You ever feel insulted by somebody? Like directly? So in this story, he's, she worshiped him. And she said, Lord, help me. And how does he respond to her worshiping him? She says this. Jesus says this. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now listen, I've heard a lot of people preach on this message before and they're like, oh, he called her a little dog, which is like the same, same verbiage that they would use to talk about a, a pet dog. Oh, it's just a pet dog. It's not, <laughs> it's still a dog. Like at the end of the day, he still called this woman a dog. 
But this is this Jesus, again, Jesus is communicating, hey, I got a priority here. And if I take away from the mouths of my children and my priority over here, then they're gonna lack because I had to give somewhere else. That's what Jesus is communicating. But again, it might've been a little bit more offensive. (laughs) How does she respond? Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs. I I can just imagine this woman thinking in her head, he could have called me a wild dog. That was the name of the, that was common for the Canaanites back then. That the Israelites would often call them the wild dogs. The ones that should be left astray. The ones that have no order. Nothing to to glue themselves together. They, They fight each other. They fight us. They fight everybody. They're wild dogs. But he doesn't call her a wild dog. She thinks in her head, he didn't call me a wild dog. He called me me a little dog. He called me a pet dog. And then in that moment, she responds. She said, even the pet dogs get the crumbs from the table. You still got something else to give. And in that, Jesus responded. See, she overcome being ignored, the institution, insignificance, and insult. And then what happened after she overcame each one of those? She received her miracle, the healing that she needed for that severely demon-possessed person. Man, this is where I'm going with this, church. We are fighting this battle over and over. It's an endless cycle that we're going through over and over and over again, okay? What faith is, and what I've learned what faith is, the way that I capture the embodiment of what faith is, I hope you're listening to this, it is the want it, the do you want it, the do you really, really want it. For this woman, she was willing to sacrifice everything, being offended on every level in order to get her miracle. And here's the reality that we face in the church. We get to level one. I don't want it that bad. I don't want that miracle. I don't want that revival. But if we as the church come together, okay, we come together and we say, you know what? We want it. We want it that bad. We, we have the faith that says, I don't care how many times I get ignored. Oh, now these aren't stumbling blocks for me. Now they're stepping stones for my future here. So we go over and we don't care about what the institution says to us or how they say it should be done. We're gonna do it Jesus's way. Or if we feel insignificant, it doesn't matter. I'm still here. I'm still holding on. I'm still strong. Or even if you insult me, he says many sufferings are going to come for his name's sake. I'm still here. I'm still fighting. You know why? Because I want it. I want it. I'm going to keep on fighting it. And I don't care what it costs me. And you know what happens whenever you overcome every step and you display your faith over and over again and you're resilient through the process, continuously bouncing back from every attack that's coming at you over and over again. Then and only then can you get to a spot where you receive your miracle over and over again. We can overcome being ignored. We can overcome the institution. We can overcome being insignificant. Let's go. We can overcome being insulted because there's a miracle waiting at the end of the day. Do you want it, church? 
Do you want it, church? Do you want revival, church? Because it's going to take sufferings. And it's going to take resilience. To grab your miracle. Romans chapter 5 says, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith. Whose faith? The faith of Jesus Christ. The wanted from him justified you. By faith. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. Through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and in confidence as we, as we um, confidence assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God. Verse three says, and not only this, all of that stuff, was sound, that, that sounds awesome. I'll take that all day. That sounds like cake. I'll just eat it, right? That's, <laughs> that's our cake before we have the dinner here. You guys ready to eat meat here? So verse three says, Romans 5 verse 3 says, and not only this, but with joy let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships. Knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble produces patient endurance. Hmm. And endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity. This is the word here. Come on. And proving character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God love, God's love has abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul talks about the running the race of endurance. You know, I used to be a track runner back in high school. I, um, I thought I was fast. <laughs> I started up my first two years of high school as a sprinter. I would hit up those chalks and I would, I would launch and I would stay late after practice and I would try getting faster and faster. And it seemed like no matter how much I practiced, I just wasn't faster than the other guys. It was like their muscular structure, everything, they were just better than me all the time, no matter how much. I knew that I practiced more than the guy that was next to me. I knew that his behaviors outside of school should have equaled him losing to me in every race. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I just couldn't beat him in the sprint. So you know what happened in the, my junior and my senior year? I switched over. I said, you know what? I'm gonna switch to endurance racing. See, where, where sprinting deals more with your muscular structure and the power and your explosiveness, 
endurance racing is very different in the fact that your respiratory system, your cardiovascular system is what powers you to be the quickest. The way that you breathe and the blood. How much oxygen can you get inside of your blood and pump throughout your body will determine how quick you are. And the more that you ran, the more quicker you became in this race. That's the beautiful thing about God's word and the way that he sets this all up. Through faith, through your endurance, through your resilience, over and over again. Hebrews 12 says this is a, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? How do we do this? It continues, verse two, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you want it? The author and finisher of, do you want it? And what did he do? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I had a few more notes, but I think I'm going to end with this. The Lord tries to build our faith, our spiritual man inside of us. He tries to build us up and get us to that spot where he's like, you can do it, son. You can do it, daughter. I have a mandate and a mission for you and I'm building it up in you. And listen, just hold on a little bit longer. Just hold on a little bit longer. Endure it a little bit longer. Keep running the race a little bit longer. Don't slow down, don't stop. Don't hesitate, but keep running. You gotta want it, you gotta want it. This is the way the Lord speaks to you. This is where he speaks to me. Over and over and over, keep running. Keep running, I know you're tired. Keep running. Keep running. It's been a long time since I ran, but every time I run, the Lord speaks to me. And I think it's because I'm closer to death. But, <laughs> but he speaks to me every time. And that's the way he says, just keep going, son. Just keep going, son. But, you know, it's weird. I'll also hear the voice of the enemy. And some of us... We teach each other in the church to listen to the voice. I shared a little bit in men's group about this. We teach ourselves to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to listen to the voice of what he's saying to us, that what Jesus is speaking to us. But we don't teach each other what the voice of the enemy sounds like, what the voice of Satan sounds like whenever it comes to you. Well, obviously, whenever it comes to you with temptation, right? Anytime you're getting ready to sin, that's automatic. 
oh, that's counter, counterintuitive to what it's teaching in the word of God, that sin, that is a lie. You are the enemy. You are not my savior. You're not the Lord. Easy, right? That's an easy one. But sometimes the voice of the enemy comes different. You know, you might have a conviction that you need to work with your kids and spend some one-on-one time. Sometimes the voice of the enemy sounds like, man, if you had a rough week at work, you really could just take a day off and just relax. It'll be fine. Sometimes the voice of the enemy sounds like, you know what, you were ignored, insulted, and you feel insignificant, they don't need you there anyway. Sometimes the voice of the enemy just sounds like this. Maybe it just sounds like, hey, you could sleep in today. There is, Satan hasn't changed his tricks. 6,000 years and he still hasn't changed it. You know, he's, he's still doing the same thing over and over and over again. He's still lying. He's still deceiving. He still seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And he does it through the same thing. Eve, just take one bite. Just take one bite. Here's what he really meant whenever he said that. The manipulation. The, it's the same tactics, you know, and he's so there's a reason why he was a serpent in the garden, because he's so keen, he's so smart, he knows all the right things to say at all the right times. He's smarter than you could ever think. In, when it comes to the courtrooms of your mind, he knows you forward, backwards, and inside out. He knows the word better than you do, and he can use it to try to manipulate you, and he will. And so whenever that courtroom is going in session, how do we respond to that? <laughs> you know, how do we respond to the voice of the enemy saying, man, I know that you said that you had that faith. I know you said that you wanted it. But do you really, do you want it that bad? Like, is it worth that? Is it worth that? Is it worth what they did to you, what they put you through? Do you really want it that bad? see, the thing that we try to teach ourselves especially is what we want to argue with that voice and tell them, hey, well, this is what the word says. <laughs> you can't, you don't have, you don't have a right to speak. And there's all books written about it, like courtrooms of heaven and all this stuff. But listen, I'm not a smart man, <laughs> but I'll tell you how I deal with this situation. You tell them to sit down, shut up, and get out of your house. You grab him by the throat mid-sentence. You throw him on the ground and you crush his head. I'm, I'm not, this is not a courtroom. This is not judgment day. This is a battlefield, okay? This is war. Always and for, while you are on this earth, you are not a, you are not home. You are an ambassador. And guess what? You are an ambassador in an unwanted country. 
and they are constantly waging war against you and they want you dead and gone. They want your mission and your uh, purpose, your drive and your miracle gone and dead forever. Guess what? He's done it a lot and I don't want it to happen to us. I don't want it to happen to you. I don't want it to happen to me. I want the miracle. We have to join arms together. Listen, I, I talked about this a few, a few uh, weeks ago whenever I preached. I said, man, my faith builds your faith and your faith builds my faith and iron sharpens iron, right? Iron sharpens iron. So your story is part of my story and my story is part of your story and I don't let you lose your want to and you don't let me lose mine. I don't care if you've been doing this for 10 years or Cheryl, you've been doing this a lot longer. We don't let our faith go down. We keep sharpening one another. We don't let the offenses come and rock the boat. We keep each other strong. We keep the want to. We keep fighting. We keep going. We keep trying to win. And guess what? It goes beyond not doing what enemies, the enemy says. It, makes, it means making your win stronger every day. <laughs> making your win, your win, your want to stronger every day. Um, I'll close with this real quick. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the earth. What is a disciple? Discipline learner. We talked about this in men's group too. A lot of us are learners of the word, but are we discipline learners? And I'm not even just talking about discipline in learning. Like, are you a discipline person who's learning? Are you constantly learning ways to become disciplined in your art form, in your way, in the, in, in the Lord? Discipline in your love, discipline in your, your study, discipline in your, your prayer life, discipline in your, your parenting it takes waking up every morning and saying, you know what, I, ha I choose today that that thing is not gonna derail me from doing this thing, what he's called me to do. Very simply, you know, first and foremost, discipline number one, the Lord. Discipline number two, your family, your spouse, and then your kids. And then discipline number three is love your neighbor, right? How can we commit ourselves to that? So, I know I said I'll close with that, but I, rem I was just reminded of, of something my wife shared with me. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this story. Uh, she was driving down uh, to an appointment right, with Elias, and there was this situation where she she had this truck coming up. You want to tell the story? <laughs> you can probably tell a lot better than me. There's a camera that's right there. Oh, great. Um, I was driving to an appointment on a narrow road, and there was a log truck coming at us going really, really fast, and I saw it from afar off, and um, because Elias is getting older, anytime I find a situation that doesn't happen every time you're behind the wheel, I like to point out to him, in this situation, this is what you would do. 
And so anyways, this log truck's coming at us and um, I'm seeing it and my, my motherly instincts are kicking in and I'm like, oh my goodness, this truck is going way too fast. It has an oversized load sign on it and it's flying down this road. It's a narrow road and I'm panicking and I'm like, I'm trying not to show him I'm panicking, but I'm really starting to panic because I see this truck coming and I'm like, I can't go off the edge because there's no edge to go to. And it's coming at me and it's coming really, really fast and I'm scared it's going to hit me. And it gets closer and closer and closer and I'm grabbing hold of the wheel really fast and I'm watching the truck and I'm watching the truck and I'm watching the truck and then all of a sudden I just was like, I have to stop looking at the truck and I have to look at the road in front of me. And right before it gets to me, I look at the road in front of me and we get past the truck safely and you feel the car like wave in the wind as the truck goes flying past me. But like I was looking at the road in front of me and we got past it and I just like breathed a big sigh of relief. And my son was like, what? And I was like, in that kind of situation, Elias, if you're driving down the road and you see something coming at you super fast like that, I was like, you have to not look at that. You have to look directly in front of you because in that kind of situation, your eyes, where your eyes go, your hands follow. And it was like, as soon as I got those words out of my mouth, I didn't even mean it in that context, but as soon as I got the words out of my mouth, it's like the Lord hit me with a truck in the face. And he's like, where your eyes go, your hands follow. He's like, what are you putting before your eyes? What are you allowing your hand? You, you may not be intentionally putting your hands to something. It's just an entertainment. It's just a funny thing. It's just a funny joke. It's just a funny show. But what you put your eyes to, your hands will follow. And the Lord hit me hard with that. It was big. You know, and as she was saying that, Again, I was reminded of my, like, um, wrestling days. Um, you know that where your, where your eyes go, you're, you're, you can't turn the opposite direction of where your, where your eyes go. And so a lot of times whenever I was wrestling, like if I was on a uh, bottom side mat, I'd turn my opponent's head this way, knowing that he can't turn into me. And I feel like that is a great example of what I'm, uh, what we're talking about tonight is like, if we focus on the wrong thing too long and dwell on the wrong thing too long, guess what's going to happen where we're steering towards or our body is going to, you can't go the direction that he wants to take you for this if you're always looking over here at this. Where your eyes go, the body follows. The hands follow. Um, so I want to I'll, I'll, I do this. I'll, I'll close in prayer. <clears throat> I think that that'll work for what we need. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to speak your word in this house, Father. Lord, I pray that we build up one another's faith in you, Jesus. We build up faith in each other, Father, and you build it up in us. Lord, for simple people like us, Father, just we humble ourselves and say that we need help identifying the voices of the enemy when they come against us, Father. Give us the strength. Give us the faith to say, 
the, give us the want to, Father, just to overcome in every situation, Father, so that we can be servants for you, Jesus, and live your will, Father. Fill our destiny that you've called us to be, Father, and to run this race with endurance. Let us never stop. Let us encourage one another, Father, in this. Build our faith, Father. Let a no offenses stick on our brothers, Father, on our sisters. Let us just fall off of us, Father. Let us elevate with you, Father, as you let things just fall off of us. In Jesus' mighty name.